This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. Hey, so glad you're here this morning. Uh, I hope that you had a great week. Um, Thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, Before I get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a fight and you felt outnumbered? You ever been in a situation in your life where you just felt like you were outnumbered and there was an enemy that was against you that was much bigger, much stronger? You knew that unless someone or something intervened, like you were done for it. Anybody ever experienced that? Maybe a school bully like growing up. Um, I I shared a fight story, one of my fight stories last Sunday. And you guys are going to think that I love violence because I'm going to share another fight story with you this morning. I don't encourage violence, okay? This story is a little bit different. When I moved from Long Island, New York to Pennsylvania, uh, and after I entered into high school, I was a freshman in high school, and uh, I was riding the bus, and this dude was, like, picking on me, like, like very um, aggressively. And uh, he was a senior, and he was much bigger than me, and he was much quicker with his tongue than I was, and, and, uh, and he would just taunt me, like, every single day on the bus. Man, it's like he would always sit where I was sitting, and just he had one one mission, and that was to make my life absolutely miserable. And he always told me, when we get off the bus, I'm going to beat the heck out of you. You know, and so like, I'm I'm like ninth grade, he's 12th grade. I'm petrified of this dude, right? And, um, And he does this for months and months and months and months. Well, I'm living in Williamsport, and I have a friend on my street. His name is Jermaine Blackman. And this dude was big. And he, he moved from North Philly. And Jermaine, he called me Iron Mike for some reason. He's like, what's up, Iron Mike? And, um, and Jermaine was huge. I mean, this guy was built like an NFL linebacker. And um, remember, like, uh, it's like the middle of the school day, and I have to use the restroom, so I'm walking down the hall. And as I'm walking down the hall, Jermaine is walking by me, and he's like, what's up, Iron Mike? I'm like, I'm doing good, man. He goes, anybody giving you any static? I was like, nope. I said, actually, 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 there's this one kid. Who? And I'm like, well, so-and-so. He goes, oh, I know him. He goes, I'm going to get him for you. I was like, oh, man, thanks. Like, I didn't know what that meant, right? I didn't know what that meant, right? Well, Go back to class, the bell rings, all of the hallways converge into this one area called the commons, and everybody has to walk through the commons to be able to get to their next class. And as I'm walking with my backpack, you know, young young Mikey, like, I come to the commons, and all of a sudden, I from, from my right peripheral, I see Jermaine, like, and he's coming through like the Hulk. I'm, I'm not even joking, and that, like... It's like shoulder to shoulder. It's like completely packed in the commons. And, and he's just like moving people with his hands, like out of the way. And I'm like watching him. And then I see the dude that's bullying me. And I was like, and, 
If you've ever seen the, uh, the movie The Avengers where the Hulk took Loki and was like, poof, 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 puny God, right? It was like that situation. Like Jermaine just walked up, turned, tapped him on his shoulder. He turned around and just boom, out cold. And then he got on his chest and was like, poof, 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 poof. The ambulance had to come. I'm not even kidding. They took my bully out on a stretcher. I was like, oh, Jermaine. But Jermaine was petrified of his 95-year-old grandma. So he knocks on my door one day. He goes, Mike, he goes, you got to talk to my grandma. I was like, what's the matter? He goes, man, she's like, she's angry at me. And uh, so I go in, and she's sitting in the rocking chair. And uh, Jermaine's like, you know Mike from right down the street here? She goes, yeah. <laughs> well, see, you know, you, you always taught us to stick up for our own. And, you know, I don't want to hear it. Like, like he was petrified of his 95-year-old grandma. Like he was so sheepish. But, um, you know, that, that, was a, that was a situation where I felt like I was in a situation where I was completely outnumbered. And if, unless somebody intervened, I was going to continually be tormented and potentially even beaten to a pulp at some point in the year. And so, you know, th that was a situation where someone unexpectedly intervened in my life in such a way that th that bully never bullied me again. This morning, we're going to look at um, a, a fight story that's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. It's the story, uh, the story that we're going to look at this, uh, this morning is going to appear um, and would appear to some to be an impossible situation to overcome. But as we dive into the story, we're, we're going to see that there's a force that's working behind the scenes that was an unexpected force and for some of the people in this story was an unseen force. Okay, the story is the prophet Elisha and his servant boy. Now, Elisha was a prophet, and he was um, a student of the older prophet named Elijah. And so Elijah was like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? And then uh, Elisha was like Luke Skywalker, okay? So Elisha and his servant boy, this is the story. So the, the give a little bit of, of, of backstory. Uh, the king of Aram was um, at war with Israel. Aram was at war with Israel, the Arameans. The king planned to set up his camp, his enemy camp, at a certain place. And Elijah, the prophet, knew what he was doing, so he told the king of Israel the plans that the king of Aram had. And, and, and so um, he's warning him, the king of Israel, about the enemy's plans and where his location, the location of his army is going to be. And so remember that Elijah's a prophet. And so he, he, he gets messages from God. He hears things from God. He sees things that the normal person doesn't see. He hears things that the normal person doesn't hear. He's very in tune with the spirit of the Lord. And so we're going to pick up in verse 9, chapter 6. It says, The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. 
So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And so when the king of Aram found out that his plans had been discovered, he thought that one of his own soldiers was, was a spy, was a mole in his camp, that, that one of his own soldiers were going and telling the king of Israel the plans of the king of Aram. But we find out here in verse 11 that that was not so. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elijah the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Man, I don't want to hear what y'all are speaking in your bedroom, okay? But like the, the prophet Elijah knows the very words that are being spoken in the king of Aram's bedroom. Like there's no hiding from this prophet. He knows what you say. He knows when you say it. And so the king of Aram heard that Elijah was in the city of Dothan. Now this is where most of you find out that Elijah was from Alabama. Roll Tide. All right. But that in the city of Dothan. But that night he sent horses and chariots and a large army to surround the city, to surround Elijah. And so the next morning, Elijah's servant wakes up really early and he goes outside and he sees this immense army that is surrounding them. And his heart is filled with fear. And, and, and he, he runs and, and tells Elijah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's an army out there. They're here for us. And, and he asks Elijah, what are we going to do? And Elijah said this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Our army outnumbers their army. The servant was confused, right? He's like, what are you, Elijah, what, Elijah, what are you talking about? It's just me and you here. Like, there's nobody else. Like, there's a huge army. So he's confused. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a situation like that? Confused about what other people see. He was the only one who saw, um, he only saw the army, the, the enemy's army. Verse 16 and 17 says this. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. I mean, can you imagine like the only thing you see is this, this enemy army that's coming to kill you and then somebody prays and your eyes are opened and you see this entire angelic army from heaven like surrounding you and not only that, they're on fire. I mean, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff, you know? I'd probably be like the little, the little scrawny kid that went out to the enemy and said, come on, come on, you know? You ever see these moves before? No. <laughs> Not too libre. Um, and so, so God opens the servant's eyes, and he saw horses and chariots of fire. It was the army of the Lord covering the mountain. And then it says this in verse 18 and 19. 
As the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. He struck them with blindness as Elijah asked. Elijah told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man that you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. This is like Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. This is like Jedi, you know. These are not the droids you're looking for, you know. Like he's, he's like playing like this like prophetic Jedi mind trick on this enemy army that's blind. And he's telling them, this is not the city that you're looking for. These are not the people that you're looking for. This is not the man that you're looking for. But I'm going to show you where he is. And Elijah leads them out of the region and into Samaria. And then in verse 20, it says this. Now, after they entered the city, Elijah uh, said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? So the king is calling this prophet father. Shall I kill them, father? Shall I kill them? The prophet responds, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So like this is like a serious, merciful act that Elijah is bestowing on this enemy army that was coming to kill him. Send them back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. That was the last time that that army came against Israel. Last time. Such a cool story, isn't it? It's a short story, but it's such a powerful story about proximity, about perspective, about seeing The difference between seeing with our natural eyes, our carnal eyes, and seeing what God sees in the spirit. So there's three things that we can learn from this story this morning that we could apply to our lives. And the first one is prayer trains us to respond with peace instead of fear in the midst of life's trials. Prayer trains us to respond with peace instead of fear in the midst of of life's trials, you can clearly see the difference between Elijah responding it with peace and his servant responding with fear in this story. But, but what was the difference? What was the difference between Elijah and the servant? It was what they saw. The servant saw with his natural eyes an army. The prophet Elijah saw the army of the Lord. The servant boy said, we're outnumbered. The prophet Elijah said, oh, there's more for us than against us. And so the difference was what they saw with the eyes that they were looking through. The servant saw with his natural eyes. Elijah saw through the spirit of the Lord. You know, when you're facing trials in life and when you're facing hardships and when you're in the midst of a fight, do you react or do you respond? There's a difference between reacting and responding. Something about reacting is it's almost like um, a lack of self-control where a response is actually um, a, a decision uh, or um, 
uh, a statement that is made with self-control. And so do you react or do you respond when you're in the midst of a fight? Do you react with fear when the, when the enemy is facing you and when you're faced, uh, facing a situation that looks impossible in your life? Maybe it's a marriage crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe you just had a health diagnosis. Maybe a relationship is, is on the rocks. Maybe, maybe you and your parents aren't getting along or you and your children aren't getting along. Like, What is the first thing that you do in those moments? Do you react in, in uh, fear and anxiety, maybe anger? Do you, do you lose self-control in those moments or do you respond with prayer? Is prayer the first thing that you do in those moments or is it the last thing that you do in those moments? Because often, quite often, and I know this even for myself because I'm not always very good at this, when I'm, when I'm feeling like resistance, when I'm, when I'm feeling like the enemy is fighting against me, a lot of times um, I'm distracted by the situations and the circumstances, and I begin leaning more into a carnal mind as a fixer, right? Men are fixers, like how can I fix this situation, rather than just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you see about this situation, and what are you trying to teach me about this situation? So do you, do you react or, or do you respond? Is it in fear and anxiety? Is it anger? Is it loss of self-control? Or... or is your response prayer, which brings the peace of God. God wants us to learn how to pray first. I want to learn how to pray first. I know this, that when I, when I pray first about certain situations, it's like God elevates my perspective and I begin seeing from a heavenly perspective rather than an earthly carnal perspective. I, I, begin, I begin magnifying God above magnifying my problems. And all of a sudden, my problems start shrinking and my God starts getting bigger. Right, But if, if all you're focusing on is that problem that's, that you're facing, that fight, that enemy that's in front of you, that enemy is going to just grow bigger and bigger and bigger, and your God is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller in your eyes because you're going to think that this is an impossible situation to overcome. I can't overcome this enemy. What is your first response? Is it to pray? Sometimes it, it feels easy. Uh, it, it feels easier just to pick up a phone and call somebody and ask for man's opinion on it. Sometimes it's easier to like turn on Dr. Phil or Oprah, right? Looking for maybe an answer to your question. Maybe so sometimes it's easier to pick up a self-help book, right? About this one area of your life that you're fighting and try and help yourself with this self-help book. You can't help yourself, okay? Like the self-help book, I think a couple of years ago was an $18 billion industry, right? Why do we have to keep writing more and more self-help books? Because it doesn't work. Sometimes it feels easier picking up the phone than praying. Prayer shouldn't be the last thing that we do. It should be the very first thing that we do. As believers, as children of God, we are, to, we are called to be heavenly-minded, not carnal-minded. The carnal mind leads to death. It leads to fear. It leads to anxiety. But the, but the mind of the Spirit, the mind of Christ, leads to peace and godliness. 
And so when you wake up in the morning, you, you get to choose, like going to a closet, what you're going to clothe yourself with that day. Are you going to put on the mind of Christ and see from Christ's perspective what Christ is doing, what, how Christ is moving, how Christ is for you? Or are you going to that closet and grabbing the carnal mind that, that leads to anxiety and fear and scripture says leads to death, like the death of your soul, the death of your emotions, the, the death of your dreams, like we are not called to be ruled by our emotions, but it's so easy to be ruled by our emotions, but our emotions lie to us constantly. Our emotions will tell us things that are not true, and we start believing these lies, and all of a sudden that's, that we're in the enemy's clutches because he knows that if he can get us in the arena of lies, he can win all day, but if we get him in the arena of faith, we can over, overcome him, Amen. And so prayer shouldn't be the last thing we do in an impossible situation. It should be the first thing we do as we train ourselves for the trial. Is your response to call on God for help? Is he your first? Is he the first one that you turn to? Or do you turn to everyone else? Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Said the servant. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Listen, Scripture says if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing can separate you from his love. Scripture says that there's no weapon that is formed against the people of God that can prosper, and every tongue that rises up against the children of God shall be condemned. Amen. That's the God that you serve. That's a promise in his word that no weapon formed against you will prosper. But here's the thing. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You have to put on the mind of Christ. You have to clothe yourself with Christ. And the Apostle Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the, the, the enemy's attacks. And so he talks about putting on a helmet of salvation. And that's, that helmet protects your mind and clothing yourself with a breastplate of righteousness, clothing yourself with righteousness, letting your loins be girded with truth. In other words, standing and clothing yourself with truth and then your feet plant shod in the preparation of the gospel. You are rooted in the gospel. This is what it means to wake up in the morning and plant yourself in the gospel, root yourself in the gospel by opening up the word of God and finding out what God says about your situation rather than what the world says about your situation. All things are possible to them that believe. Jesus said, all things are possible. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Amen. And so Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, do not be anxious, you ready, about anything. Some of us are anxious about everything, aren't we? Paul is saying, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, it's going above like the logical, your logical thinking will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus Pray first. Somebody say pray first. pray first. The second thing we can learn is 
Prayer opens our eyes to a spiritual battle that is more real than what we can physically see. Prayer opens our eyes to a spiritual battle that is more real than what we can physically see. We are in a spiritual battle with an enemy that hates us. Every day that you wake up as a child of God, when you step out your front door, you are stepping onto a battlefield. There is no demilitarized zone in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. The, the, the kingdom of darkness is constantly waging war against the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is constantly waging war against the kingdom of darkness. There is no demilitarized zone. So you're not going to like just walk the fence and just say, like, I'm, I'm not in either. No, every single day that you step out your front door, you are going into a battlefield against an enemy that hates you and desires to kill you. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, for the thief has come, talking about Satan, but to rob, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it, what? More abundantly. God wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to abound in peace. He wants you to abound in joy. He wants you to have a sound mind, a mind that is as stilled and at rest and filled with the presence of God. He, he wants you to prosper in your health. I believe that he wants you to prosper in your business, in your finances. Um, I, I believe that he wants us to prosper in every area of our life. He said, I'm coming to give you life and life more abundantly, Jesus said. But the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. This is the only reason that he comes, to rob, kill, and destroy the children of God. Scripture says that the enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's lurking about, looking for someone to devour. That's the enemy that we face. But there's a much bigger lion called the lion of the tribe of Judah that is able to devour that little stinking, scrappy little lion. Amen? And so there is more for you than against you. There is a power that goes before you that is greater than any power that can ever stand against you. Amen? Ephesians 2, 6. I'm, Ephesians 6, 12, I'm sorry. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against ruler, the, the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I'm going to read that one more time. Kyler, you can come up, actually. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sometimes when, when uh, there's... Um, sometimes the enemy will use people. Quite often, the enemy will use people, people that are wounded, people that are hurting, people that are broken, people that are bound. The enemy will use people like that to bring chaos and turmoil and uh, bring a spiritual demonic attack against you. you. Don't be naive. Don't be naive to the enemy's tactics. He, he never fights fair. And generally, when I experience spiritual warfare in my life, it's like a cloud of confusion comes over, um, maybe a, a conversation or a, um, an atmosphere, and, um, and I feel like there's a spirit of confusion, and I feel like I'm saying one thing, and the person's hearing something totally different, and, uh, and before you know it, the, this person's manifesting on you, and you, you have no idea, you're just completely confused because there's confusion, 
But then you get like on the other side of that moment and it's like clarity comes and you realize, whoa, that, that was not natural. I was not fighting against flesh and blood in that moment. I was fighting against a principality, a power of darkness, uh, a demonic presence that was assigned against me. I had a situation this week. I had a situation this week where somebody found out that I was a pastor. And as soon as they found out that I was a pastor, the person started manifesting on me. And, and, I, and I was completely confused as, as, as to why, because like the person didn't even know my name. And, and I'm sitting in this moment trying to, to discern what's going on. And I just felt like confusion. Well, on the other side of it, man, I, I clearly saw that it was demonic oppression that was on this person. A person that God loves, a person that God created, a person that is clearly hurting and, 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 and needs God to touch them. But, you know, the enemy uses people at times. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's, we think that it's the, 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 the person that we're fighting against, but it's not. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What if we prayed in those moments? What if we paused and prayed and asked God to show us what he sees about that person, rather than looking at that person as the enemy, seeing that person's soul that is hurting and broken and, and just longing to be free. What if we begin to put on the mind of Christ? What if we begin to pray first? And our first response is prayer. Elijah prayed, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around him. Prayer draws us closer to God so that we can see from his perspective. And here's the thing. The closer in proximity you are to what you're focusing on, the bigger it is and the more it grows. It's always bigger than, than what's in the distance. What's in front of you is always bigger than what's in the distance. Last night I had something really trippy happen. I stepped out my front door. It was like the sun was going down and I saw this giant dinosaur like in my front yard. It was crazy, guys. I'm serious. I got a picture of it. I'm going to show you. Look, that's a big dinosaur, right? Look at how big that dinosaur is. Man, he's a mean dinosaur. It looks like something from Godzilla, doesn't it? Like you see right in front of uh, Godzilla's hands there how tiny those cars are compared to that dinosaur hand. And, and, and how much bigger that dinosaur is than the houses across the street and, and even the trees. That's a big dinosaur. That's a big enemy. And I think that this is a perfect example of, of, what, of, of how we respond and react in different situations where there's an enemy that, that's in front of us. And, and for some reason, our proximity is closer to that enemy than we are closer to God in that moment. And so we see this giant thing when all it was was this little thing right here. Just this tiny little dinosaur, this tiny little enemy. The closer in proximity that you are, that you're focusing on, the more magnified it becomes. What if we pray first and what if we ask God to show us what he sees? What if we begin seeing from a heavenly perspective rather than from an earthly perspective? Because there's, there's always going to be something in your face trying to bring fear, trying to distract you from God. There's always going to be something. This is why you got to pray first. You got to be prayed up. 
What are you facing today? That your eyes are telling you that there's no hope. Could be a relationship, could be a marriage, could be your health, could be your financial situation. You may have lost your job. You don't feel like you're going to get a job, and everything just feels too big and too heavy right now. What are you facing currently that just seems too big? What's, what's your proximity to God currently? is your first response prayer. What are you facing today that your eyes are telling you is an impossible situation? And all the servant boy could see was an army coming to kill him. He couldn't see what Elijah saw because Elijah prayed first. He knew that there was a power that was for him that was greater than anything that could be against him. What battle are you currently facing in your life Again, it could be a marriage, it could be a health, it could be, it could be mental health. What is that thing that you're focusing on that's robbing you of your peace, of your joy, and even your life? I want to say this, you're not alone. Prayer will open your eyes to what God is doing, and you will see that God is with you. you got to pray first. The third thing we can learn is prayer submits us to a God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. Prayer submits us to a God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. There is a God who loves you, church, and his love is greater than any force that can ever be constructed against you. Pray first. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.